it's two o'clock. When you hear the trippy music and you're tuned in to mutinyradio.fm, it's Wednesday and you know what time it is. It's time to talk about things we believe in or don't believe in and religion and God and cats all here on Some Call Me Tim. Today on Some Call Me Tim, I am honored, I am blessed, I am excited, I have a real priest with me here. I am therefore going to watch my language because we have priest Valerie on today. Hi. Hello. It is such a pleasure to have you here. I met you under not the best of circumstances. Comedians are not necessarily kind and loving individuals. And I was outside on a Sunday night of the milk bar on hate street and there were some comedians and they were kind of giving you a bad time and i was like yeah a little you bit. guys come on <laughs> it's okay it's fine comedians have no soul and it's been proven because <laughs> oh dear. they have no respect anyway. <laughs> no respect for in the middle of the i mean it's i mean you're you're working hate street from what 10 p.m until 4 a.m and that's your job and tell tell our listening audience today what you do out on hate street uh, so i'm um, valerie mcintyre i'm with san francisco night ministry and uh we're actually in all the busy neighborhoods so hate castro tenderloin south of market mission uh sometimes north beach once in a while out in the barcadero and uh, we walk uh, from 10 p.m until 4 a.m and talk to whoever wants to talk to us but but the the hate is your beat uh it's one of them i I oh so you do more than oh yeah yeah oh wow so which is your favorite and why which part of town are you like from 10 till 4 in the morning this is this is my jam yeah i try to kind of hit the same neighborhoods on the same night so i'm a little bit predictable for our folks right so um gosh they all have their own flavor it's hard to pick a favorite um i would say tenderloin is busiest tenderloin is busiest uh, most talkative busiest or like just most people most most people and most conversations because there's more people I think sure sure um, it's um, it, if I have guests along I tend to take them to the tenderloin because they'll see more conversations right uh, hate is great if you kind of need a quiet night because it's a little quieter neighborhood it didn't used to be that way right it used to be a bunch of gutter punks out there with their dogs yeah, and, yeah. there used to be a lot of kids there used to be some kind of musical instrument like at least every other block and, and sometimes a lot more like right didgeridoo guitar made out of a grandfather clock wow. somebody's kind of drums and like just like every block there was something it was so cool and i actually kind of i kind of miss those so days. you feel like the the hippie vibe has left the hate uh, yeah it's 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 muted at least it's pretty muted how um, long have you been doing this outreach uh, i've been doing it 11 years wow and wow so you are in a unique position to talk about how san francisco has changed in the past 11 years because right. you've been actually on the street at night for 11 years talking to people yeah about now you're a priest do you do you jump right into jesus or do you is that not your game um that's not my game okay. um I'm, I'm happy to do jesus if people want to do jesus and and people will ask for that or just want to talk religion or tell me why they don't believe in god or you know they see the caller and they um people will go right to religion 
But if they just want to talk about what happened that day, you know, where they're, what's going on with their kids, what's going on with their mom, uh, what their friend did, or, you know, or warn me, like, oh, watch out, there's bad acid on the street tonight. Wow. <laughs> like, be careful shaking hands, you know. Um, so all kinds of things, just every topic you can imagine. Sure. So I don't lead with religion, but if people go there, then I, I'm very happy to go there with them. And what kind of... You're not a nun, you're not a nun, you're a priest. So what kind nun. of training did you have? Uh, Were you in seminary yeah, school? I, I have a master's of divinity. Wow. And then I did a year of postgrad to train as a chaplain. Um, and um, I actually kind of did that concurrent with, with doing night ministry of I've done all these different things. Night ministry is its own thing, right? Night it's like it's, it's is it like thing. a it's its own five hundred one c three. We've oh. been around for fifty five years. We started wow. in nineteen sixty four, and I'm the fifth person to kind of be in charge of it. But we have other night ministers who work when I don't work. We usually have a, we always have at least one person on the street. Sometimes we have two or three people that we can kind of cover more neighborhoods. Um, I'd love, if we had the funding, I would like have a minister in every neighborhood every night, but we're not there yet. We've got this little tiny shoestring budget. Right. Um, but we do uh, the nighttime ministry. We have two open air uh, worship services, uh, one at two o'clock at um, Civic Center Plaza. On in the, the morning? At two o'clock in the oh, afternoon. okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> night ministry you're like yeah. two in the morning let's all go to civic center right and we, uh, uh, sing yeah. some songs and, yeah. yeah and then uh in the 5 30 in the mission it's at uh 5 30 in the evening in the mission at 16th and mission bart uh, what what day is that and that's on thursday night. oh that makes sense thursday's a big day on the mission you've got yeah. so you have the night ministry Thursdays, daytime right. and then you have food not bombs right and then later they do the poetry and then thing. they do the poetry thing right so it's a hopping day and down there. Yeah, and, and then we have a Bible study, and we just started. I'm so excited. Uh, on paper, we're interfaith, but it's taken a little while to sort of move into that in practice. But we just started a Buddhist meditation Wow. Uh, at 6 o'clock on Monday nights over at the Faithful Fools. Wow. I know where Faithful Fools is, too. That's on, that's on Hyde Street. Hyde Street, 234 Hyde. In the, oh, 234 Hyde. That's so perfect. Yeah. It's right next door to um, the setup, which is a comedy venue that people... Right, uh, right, right. You should partner with those guys and do like a fundraiser for faithful fools oh, at the setup they always the set up we should you should talk you're to right. the comedians because they've got a great venue and they have always have really great audiences and you're right there what called you to work with these degenerates i'm using that term sort of funny, yeah we're, but, we're kind of get some pejorative terms right, coming right, right, out right. here but, um, that i don't usually use for our folks exactly I'm, yeah, um, I'm, I'm trying to be a little like cheeky, but <laughs> yeah you know you gotta be a little edgy here you're but. called i mean i know that Jesus himself worked with, you know, the beggars yeah, and Yeah, he like walked around outside yeah, and, and worked with like, folks hey. on the margin. That was Jesus's gig. So what's called you to people on the margin? Um, I guess I just always, I always kind of felt that tug. And I went into seminary thinking I was going to do church ministry. Sure. And the first thing I did after seminary was a sabbatical replacement for somebody and thought, Oh crap, I hate this. Oh no, I've spent all this time and all this money and I don't like being in a church. So you were like the minister of a church and then I, I was you doing stood the, up and did the all the whole service thing. Uh, well, I was actually, the sabbatical replacement I did was for a Christian ed director. I've never led a congregation on my own. Oh. Uh, I did a lot of Christian ed for a lot of years um, as a lay person. But, and it was fine and I loved it, but I don't, 
parish work is not my thing. Gotcha. And um, just about the time I was finishing seminary, somebody on my ordination committee also worked with night ministry and said, you know, hey, I think this might be right for you. And so I volunteered at first. And just about the time I was ready to get ordained, a fellowship became available. And so I did that for a couple of years. And once that, by the time that was over, I was like, well, I love this and I'm not leaving. So you have to hire me. Right, <laughs> right. And, um, and I've been there ever since. But I mean, do you... I mean, the first people question people must ask you is, do you feel unsafe? I mean, you're walking around the Tenderloin right. from 10 p.m. until 4 a.m. in the morning. Yeah. So, and, and I get that question all the time. And the answer is, yeah, I feel really safe because people have my back. The whole neighborhood has my back in any of the neighborhoods. Because of the collar. Because of the collar, because people know me. You know, oh, you, you okay. walk around the neighborhood for a decade. People know you. Right, right. You're and, like a steward of the... Of the yeah, area. I'm kind of, you know, a little bit of a pastor of the area. And people all the time tell me, anybody bugs you, you let me know. Oh, I'm watching you. I've got your back. I've, I've had very few instances. Actually, the only time I really felt unsafe was up on the Hape. And um, I was with, um, I just started the fellowship. So we walked in pairs because we were kind of students at that point. Right. And so I and my co-pastor were up there. And this guy kind of lost reality contact and started throwing us against the wall. Oh, and I'm like, oh, crap, I'm going to have to hurt this guy to make him stop. And I didn't want to. Uh, but literally the whole neighborhood from blocks around came running um, to our rescue. Wow. And, um, and made sure we were safe and got back to our car okay. And it just, um, it gave me a lot of faith in people watching out for me. And people do. I mean, it's just, the care does not just flow one way. We get a lot of care back from the neighborhood and from the people we serve. Right. Uh, okay. How do you survive being a, a pastor, a, someone, a member of the cloth? Because didn't it, I don't know, I feel like society's changed in how we view people who give their life to service. And do you get housing? Like I know a, a member, <laughs> a member of my extended family was a uh -huh. pastor for years yeah, yeah. and he was in the house of the church. But then when he was no longer the pastor, the house went away. Right, right. And now they're in an, an apartment and like for their whole lives they lived in this house. And But I don't even think pastors get houses anymore. Most places, more, it's more common back east out here. It's less common. And night ministry, no, we don't have a house. We, right. have, we run the whole thing on less, less than half a million dollars a year. Wow. We do two worship services, a Bible study, the meditation group. We train chaplains. We have phone volunteers and we're on the street and we do it. So you don't get paid. I do get, I do get paid, <laughs> but not a lot. Right, um, but then how does that work to serve, <laughs> to serve the community of San Francisco and to not be monetarily compensated for your service when it gets more and more expensive to live here. Yeah. And then you see the disparity and you're working with the people who need the help. But then that, that income disparity gets greater and greater and greater. Do you live in San Francisco proper? I don't. I can't afford you it. You can't see. That's exactly I can't what I'm afford saying. To live in San Francisco. You have to I mean, commute I get, in. I get decent money. It's not terrible money. But you have um, to commute it's not in. I'm getting at a church. Yeah, I commute in, and you know, fortunately, my work hours. The commute's not so bad. Right, but you have to <laughs> wait for Bart to open to get home. Yeah, I I, I own a car. Oh, you have a so car. Okay. Like, yeah. Okay. When, when I didn't right, have a car, right. yeah, I had to wait for the bus and go home. Ah! Uh, I, I had. For a while, I didn't have a car. Right now, I have a car. I'm super blessed with that. Um, it kind of, I need it for this job because, like, we give out blankets and stuff, and it's really hard to put that in your overcoat pocket. Right, right. <laughs> so, um, 
Yeah, so blankets, blankets, food, socks, sandwiches, socks are a big yeah. deal. After our worship services and the Bible study, we do food for all of those, mostly That's donated great. by local houses of worship and some other community groups. Um, so we don't buy that food ourselves, but it comes to us. But in, in a city of such wealth, you would think that if you already have a ministry in place, that that could be well-funded. And when people say, oh, why is there this problem in San Francisco? There's just poop on the streets and there's homeless everywhere. And it's like, there is a program yeah, called yeah. Night Ministry that runs on a $500,000 a year budget, which is insane because you're just talking about all the training and all the, the <laughs> things you do and the people that are yeah, walking yeah. around. and and that I told my children they're going to inherit my student loans. Right, exactly. Yeah, the the, the meek will inherit the earth. No, they're going to inherit everybody's student loans. (laughs) Right. And so it's just, I mean, um, funding is a challenge. It's, and we've never, that's not something Night Ministry's ever been good at. We've never had an executive director before. We're trying this out. We've got a new guy. He's very shiny. Um, I think he's going to be good at helping us, like, get our funding up. Sure. And, um, I mean, I'd love to have, like, a second night minister on the street every night and maybe pay our phone volunteers a little bit. I mean, there's all kinds of things we could do with money to better serve So there's phone volunteers, too? Like, would you run a suicide hotline, or what do you... have... um, It's more of a warm line, uh, and (laughs) we have volunteers on... It's not a hotline. (laughs) It's a warm line. It's a warm line. We do take crisis calls uh, we don't get that many a decade ago we got more uh, like people who were actively suicidal and, uh, occasional domestic violence transport that kind of thing sure. once in a while we still get that but not very often most of our conversations are pretty low-key um, on the phone I would say the number one problem we hear is loneliness wow and on the street that's number two second to sleep deprivation well on the street you're there are people around but you can't like let anybody in because yeah. there's such a, it feels like there's such a danger there. Although if I was sitting, gosh, I don't know. I, there's gotta be a place. I, I live in the Tenderloin. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so I constantly walk by people that are setting up tents or have beds on the ground or yeah. are living in like, and like, and how did that become to be okay? Yeah, how like, did that it become we just to be walk okay? by and don't go, oh and my go, gosh, oh, this is a crisis. Absolutely. This person is sleeping here. Like, and, how is this okay? And how are they, I guess, do they all have Obama phones now so that everyone has access to a crisis line, but mo- there's no housing? People, That's so weird people, to me. Yeah, mo- most of our folks have Obama phones. Not everybody's able to kind of hang on to them um, for a variety of reasons. I mean, partially DPW comes by all the time and steals everybody's stuff, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, with the sweeps. Um, so that makes it challenging for people. Um, and I just lost track well, of the question. Let me ask you, you about that DPW. So that's a, that's a, you just, are you really like DPW? Why can, is there some policy like, change that we could why? enact that? Because I've seen it happen. They, DPW comes by and there's a person that has a tent and a bunch of stuff and a cart and the stuff. And they say you have two hours and then we're just taking your stuff. Right. And often less. Yeah. And so then they just. And then they just take your tent, your sleeping bag. If you're not there and you're like, your friends can't guard your, they they won't like let your friends say, no, no, he's coming back. So like, there goes your ID. (gasps) There goes maybe your last family memento. There goes your medication. They just throw everything away. They took his walker, Pam. That's insane. It's crazy. But they, but the, so there's some really good folks working on that. Like, especially the coalition on homelessness is doing some really good work trying to get that stopped. Um, there are a lot of people advocating you know kind of banging on city hall's door going this is not working because what happens is they we were talking about loneliness they destabilize communities yeah community will form if you let it and 10 years ago 
I would see people self-stabilize. Not everybody, but a few people. If you could just leave them alone and they could have a little community and people can watch their stuff and they don't have to schlep it all to go see their case manager, to go to St. Anthony's, to do all their things. Right. Oh, I never even thought about that. Yeah. So someone sets up their stuff and then they have to go get food. Right. And so you either schlep all your stuff or you leave it and it gets stolen. Right. Because you can't lock a tent. Right. And right. someone could just pick up a tent and take it. Someone could just steal your house. Steal your house or, or cut it up maliciously. That happens. Oh. We had that happen to one of our regulations. But then, recently. I mean, homeless on homeless crime, that's kind of mind-blowing. Like, yeah, that when happens. everybody else is, when you're already down at the bottom to then, like, right. push well, it even farther. Okay. Like, so, oh. But at every level of society, right? Right. Like, There's people bullies. are dealing drugs in Pacific Heights, but it's easier to hide it when you have money. Sure. Everything that happens on the street happens inside. Right. So I'm really hesitant to categorize any problem and say, this is what people who live outside do. Right. Because it's just, it's harder to hide when you live outside. Sure. And, and how people get to be outside. And There's right. stories behind every single person every who's gotten outside. Every single person. They could have had a house. And with the rent going up here, it's crazy. Right, right, right. You got right. a bad roommate situation. You weren't on the lease. Maybe you were dating somebody. They're like, yeah, not you're anymore. fleeing you're out. domestic violence. You're fleeing, yeah. or you know, or you're queer, and your family is, is not into that, and so sure. you have to flee that. Um, or there's some big health issue, and it uses up all your money. Right. Um, there's just there is a, there's a story between for every single person out there, and so you're already oh my gosh, I just lost my home, and then things start happening to you, and it's very traumatic to live outside. You can't sleep. Unless you do enough heroin. If you do enough heroin, you can sleep anywhere, which is is terrible. But somebody will kick you in the head and steal your stuff. Oh, that's, oh no! Sleep deprivation is the number one thing I see. I used to have, um, I worked with SF Cares for a while, and I did a theater of the oppressed. Oh, uh uh-huh. And so, um, it was mostly guys. The guys would come in. I had donuts. I had coffees in the morning. And we'd do the theater games, and that was all fine. But afterwards, they'd lay down on the sanctuary floor at St. Paulus, where the, we were, uh, the office was. And I'd sit there, and I'd do my paperwork. And just, But they knew they were a little more comfortable. It was yeah. a little warmer. Yeah. Carpet is softer than concrete. And they knew I was watching them and watching their stuff. Right. So they could actually sleep for a few oh. hours. They would all wake up different people. Yeah, Just a of course. few hours of good sleep. Absolutely. But even if you can find a place to get comfortable, you still have to kind of keep one eye and one ear open. Which is why people have dogs. But then if you have a dog, you have no access to shelters. Right, right. The There's 15 catch-22s. It's ridiculous. Yes, yes, yes. You can't bring your partners, you can't bring your possessions, you can't bring your pets. To a shelter, you can't bring your possessions. A lot of them that you can't, you can bring in a, a like, you get a like backpack. one drawer. Yeah, You get sure. like one drawer and you can put your stuff in that one drawer and more than one drawer, you, you don't... just leave it outside and then it goes away. Wow. It just, so that's, I mean, I like the navigation center model better because they let you bring your partner, they let you bring your pet, they like let you bring your possessions in, um, but we don't have a lot of beds yet. Um, right. I'm really glad the one at the Embarcadero is going through. I think that's so needed. Well, they there. just pulled down a navigation center here on Mission Street in between 15th and 16th, and right. now they're building something, and I thought, well, are they building low-income housing, or what are they doing? And no, I think they're just building... Yeah, I think just, I'm, I'm not sure what that building is, but to yeah. the best of my knowledge, it's not. It was a navigation center. It was a navigation center. They put the one in at Divisadero to replace it, but really, you need both. Yeah, exactly. There's a thousand people on the waiting list. A- absolutely, <laughs> and I mean, I have a I have a buddy who uh, became homeless and uh, has an he has an addiction. Yeah, yeah. And he was staying here for a while during the day and and sleeping and chilling out, 
but I told him, you can't be here at night. You just can't because of like my insurance issues. Right, 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 right. And so, you know, it was a nice safe place for him sometimes, but then it didn't. Now he's somewhere we don't, we don't know. And it's really sad because, but I've seen him like get better and do less heroin and kind of get himself together. And then I've seen it spiral back down, but, but there are no services. And I even said like, do you want me to walk you over to general? And he goes, it's not going to help. And then his mother said, call the police. And I said, I'm not going to call the police on him. I'm not going to call the police on him. Yeah. Right. But that's the thing is that, no, but you can say like, what is it? What happens to people when the cops are called? Because our, the impetus is someone's in trouble. I'm going to call the cops. But then that leads to, I don't know, incarceration. And uh, usually it just leads to DPW taking their stuff and, the, right. and they get a citation. And so then they get another citation and you get another citation and you get another citation and you don't have any money to Right, pay it's a it. poor tax. So people just, sense. yeah, it's a poor tax. Exactly. So people blow it off and now you have a bench warrant. Oh. So now even if you get a chance <gasps> to get a job, you've got this bench warrant on your record. Wow. You know, it's just the whole system is set up I don't know intentionally or not, but it's the way it's set up. It makes it so hard for people to get back on their feet. Absolutely. It makes it easy to fall down and it makes it hard to get back up. Because you can't get a job if you don't have a, a residence. Right. It's you have to really have like. It's hard to get a job if you don't have a residence. It's, um, I mean, even if you have like a PO box and you're going to put that on your resume, you still right. can like be able to shower in the morning. Right. Exactly. Right. And you have to be well rested coming to work, which you're not going to be. Um, exactly. You know, and maybe not in terrible pain and like sleeping on the sidewalk tends to really destroy people's bodies. Well, and um, I just recently read a statistic that um, we have 8,500, I like to call them questionably housed, yeah, not yeah. homeless, questionably housed people in San Francisco. But right. 50% of our population is now over 50. Right. Which is, I'm 45 and I can barely get up and I'm in a bed. I know, right? And yeah, like, I wake I, up and I'm like, you know, I'm doing my work and I, you know, get up and I like waddle. I'm like, my, oh, I don't waddle around. <laughs> and, and I'm in a soft, com- comfy house with a bed and a chair right, and right, all that right. stuff. And I feel my body deteriorating, but I can't imagine sleeping on the concrete. Right. Yeah. It like makes all my arthritis hurt just to think yeah. about it. And um, no pillow. Of no course you don't pillow. have a You can't have a pillow because you don't, you can't carry it around. Yeah. And, and it gets wet. It's going to get wet. It gets soggy. That's and then it. it's, and, yeah, and gross. it's the same problem with blankets, socks. That's right. why there's such a huge need for blankets and socks. We give away probably seven, 8,000 pairs of socks in a year. I mean, wow. I'm, I, no, I, I'm overstating that. I take it back. Maybe like four or 5,000 pairs of socks a year. Well, that's 10,000 socks. Easily. Yeah. easily, easily <laughs> 10,000 socks. Because, yeah, 10,000 <laughs> socks. Um, because it's, if you can't launder it, it's disposable. Exactly. You, wore, you wear it and for two or three days and maybe your shoes have a hole in them and it's wet and they're gross. And, right. Um, clean, dry socks are gold on this And street. right now it's raining. And it's raining. So you everything, I put... I always have socks in my overcoat pocket, but I put them in baggies in the rain so they stay dry at least till I hand them to somebody. Yeah, socks, yeah. rosaries, and Narcan is what's always in my overcoat Narcan. pocket. Narcan. Yeah. Well, and Narcan now, that's its own racket. I think Narcan, they said it costs like $400 a shot now or something. 
absolutely it's ridiculous. egregiously unaccessible for people who need it most it's what, so so now narcan's only for rich people that overdose on opiates or so, like on their little pills right it's yeah it we, should we be get it three we get it free through the dope project so Good. we're super lucky and but i like i hand the boxes out like candy if anybody says oh you got narcan can i carry some narcan i just like give them my box because it saves people's lives because it saves people's lives yeah and i don't want to walk up on somebody you know doing that slump over thing in the middle of an overdose and not be able to do anything exactly so I always have narcan in my pocket I always have and socks well, and i get asked for rosaries a lot so and rosaries. the rosaries that's perfect too yeah. the, the thing about the narcan and the thing about the opiate addiction and the heroin addiction and letting people be on the street i almost feel like the current political administration just wants them to die i almost feel like they say oh you're addicted screw you yeah whatever yeah. good luck we're not going to try to say what's the point of trying to save you if you just want to kill yourself anyway and it's like well when do we stop valuing the intrinsic like nature of human life like when when is a person when do they no longer have worth and and does that mean that you've decided i'm saying as society as a whole that this person is worthless and therefore they don't affect me because they aren't a real person. Is that I, what we're doing? I don't know exactly where that line is, but by the time somebody's hit the street, they've crossed that line. Here's what I hear from people all the time. I might as well be a wall. I might as well not be here. Nobody says hello. People walk by and they're saying hello, hello. And you know, I guess people are feeling like, well, I don't have money to give or I'm not going to give. Or, and so you can't engage with somebody. So you can imagine if you go through your whole day making this bid for engagement with people, which is what right. we're designed to do as human beings. We're sure. meant to be in community right from the start in Genesis, right? Man shouldn't be alone, right? Right. You're supposed to be with people. We're designed that way. And evolutionarily too, right? If you're alone out on the Savannah, you're screwed because here comes a lion. Right. right? If you're not friends with cats. <laughs> right, right, right. Ooh. Not those cats. Yeah. So it's really painful to have this hit of you're not in community, you're not in community, which is what our brain feels. Even if you've got your buddies on the street and that's all fine, but you get this hit a couple hundred times a day of you're not an S, you're not us, right. you're not Right, you're us. the other, you're not, so you're not valued, you're not painful. valued, you're not valued it's constantly. It's so painful. Yeah. And, but, but our society does not value people who live outside, otherwise, they wouldn't be outside. We have 100,000 empty units in this city. I, I, that's exactly what and, I... You know, and I recognize they're distributed and it's one here. But I mean, but like, come here's, on. But here's another thing. Uh, the Transamerica building is only like 50% occupied. The Transamerica building, the symbol of San Francisco has 50% occupancy. Why can't we... They have bathrooms. Why can't we just put a couple showers in? Right, make and, it and a make it housing. And a nurse and, yeah, you know. so for every floor, social worker, nurse, like an RA, like it a counselor. Costs, yeah, it costs less to house somebody with support on site than it does to let them live outside. Yeah, because every time you get that nine one one call for an ambulance because they're ODing or they're drunk or whatever's going on, that's really that's like yeah, fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, sure. You, Two, three ambulance rides, you can house that person for a year. Oh, you're so smart. You know, I just, Wow, I've never even thought about that. Make, even if you're... DPW, being, when they clean up, how much does it cost right, for them to costing, clean up? And the cops to be there when they could be dealing with real crime. It just... Right. Even if you don't care about people at all, if you're a complete 
jerk and you're just like, I just want the city to not spend money. It makes sense to put people inside. Right. Even if you're coming at it just from a, an, like an economic austerity perspective, which is not my thing, but even if you look at it that way, yeah, it, raised, it makes sense to exactly. put people inside. So that, because people actually, you can do it that way because Salesforce was going to pull out, they we've actually lost a lot of, um, the city as a whole, a lot of conferences have decided that they're not going to do it in San Francisco because of the poop on the because street the and street. because well, and it's, it's that when people get ignored and disvalued for so long, that's when their behavior becomes erratic. And that's what people are afraid of. The reason nobody engages with questionably housed people on the street is that they're scared. And the reason they're scared is that people's behave. No one likes unpredictable behavior. Nobody likes it. Right. So when you act unpredictably, it scares people, but you act unpredictably because you're being ignored. Well, okay. so it's like yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's okay, another. So now it's the like, thousandth Wah. time this week somebody's ignored you, right? Like I'd be mad, and you yell like run or die, or whatever you yell, oh, right, right. And it's and the truth is, most of the folks who are living out there are not erratic. It's right, just smile and say hello. I have beautiful conversations i have these deep conversations about theology about um biblical interpretation i yeah. just the other night had a really good conversation with a guy who's sleeping outside about like how you interpret the bible and what which version is your favorite and you know i wow. have these great there's these i feel just, sad for the housed people too because they are missing out on relationship with really cool people. Right. There are some really cool people. There's, into, I mean, there's educated people. There's, there's educated yeah, people. Absolutely. There's, and it's, it's, but we have, so how do we change as a society the lens that we see through for houseless people? Like, is that the answer I, that if we all. I think that's part of it. I mean, it's okay, raise the minimum wage, put a cap on rent, universal health care. Uh, you know, I can go on and on again. I'd start with good prenatal care, then give yes. everybody like pre to three universal. Everybody gets head start. Everybody gets health care. Everybody, everybody. And right. you would see the the, un, the unsheltered house or the unhoused rate of people plummet. Sure. Um, you know, and, and reasonably priced housing that has some, right. you know, re connection to reality. You should so be able to that. live here. That's you should be able to live here. I mean, like even like firefighters and teachers can't live here. Right. So and they're I serving the here. community. That's I'm, the thing. I'm making the best money I've made in my life and I still can't afford to live in San right. Francisco. Yeah. You know, and I'm not making like six figures or anything, but I'm making decent money. Um, so there's all of that. And then there, yes, that lens. And it takes a little courage because what happens, and I don't know of any like studies to back this up, but this is my um, kind of informed opinion from talking to people. If the person sleeping outside is just like me, that could be me. Right. And that generates all this fear. So I have to make them categorically different than me so that I can be safe. If it's just because of their addiction, oh. if it's just because of their mental health issue, if it's just because they made a bunch of stupid choices, I can be safe because I'm not going to do those things, right? right? Well, maybe you are down the line when you know something terrible happens in your life and you're going to do what you need to do to get through the night. But if people can think that way, they can feel safe. Right. And I think it's my sort of educated guests from talking to housed people, that that's a big part of it. It's a fear thing. If I don't make the person who lives outside categorically different than me, I'm not safe. If they're the same because, as me, right. oh my gosh, my rent could get raised suddenly a thousand dollars a month and you know, exactly. And, and my spouse could leave me and I could have a health issue. And then there I am. Sure. And nobody wants to think that. I mean, I don't want to 
contemplate sleeping outside. I don't think I'd last two weeks. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't last. I mean, I'd, I would turn to, I would do, I, I mean, I can honestly personally say, let's say that everything fell apart. I lost my housing. I lost my, my significant other. And I was, I would, I would turn to the, I would turn to sex work. I would turn to the oldest form of profession that I know is illegal, which I don't think it should be illegal. And it, right, I right, wish right. It, it could, it, it, or if it is punish the Johns, right? Exactly. Sex workers. But, it's, <laughs> but I would, that's the, I would trade, I would trade sex for housing. And I'm sure a lot of people do that. I'm sure do. that is very common. I, people do. And I think it can turn into even like sex trafficking and can turn into human trafficking. There's, when you... there's plenty of human trafficking in this city. Yeah. And it's, and that's another thing that drives the rents up is the human traffickers and the arms dealers and all those people will buy a building to hide their money, but they have no interest in renting that out. Right. And Aaron, Piskin, Aaron Peskin's done this cool thing of trying to pass a big fee on empty buildings. Uh-huh. And when they did that in Toronto, all those people left town and the rents came down. That's great. Like if we could just do it, and he's tried like two or three times and it hasn't happened yet, but I have faith we will do it. Eventually we will see sense and do it. I mean, there's just really kind of easy common sense things we could do to make things better that don't require any real sacrifice on so anybody's part. When so I, I don't know why we don't do that. When I give people my Transamerica idea, the yeah, yeah. first thing that people say to me is, well, everyone's going to be in there doing their drugs and it's going to be dangerous. And it's like, how much more dangerous is it going to be to house people so here's what than to do. let them live outside? Here's the thing. A, um, I'm a big believer in what they call wet housing, which says come inside first and then we'll worry about getting you sober. Sure. Because frankly, it's hard to sober up even if everything else in your life is good. Yeah. A- addiction is hard to beat, right? So how are you going to beat addiction when you're also outside uh, you know, afraid all the time. Basically, everybody who lives outside gets PTSD. It's worse than combat rates. Sure. Uh, I forget if it, it was either NIH or, or NAMI. I forget which actually did a study about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that said, like, if you live outside for six months, you're going to get PTSD, right? So under that circumstance, how do you get clean? A. Right. So you bring somebody in so at least they have a chance and do some wet housing. And okay, like, if you're going to use fentanyl or heroin or something like that yes you are safer doing that where people can see you because if you OD somebody can whip out the Narcan and call an ambulance SIS but, is safe injection sites right? no one's so ever died safe in a safe injection site no one's exactly. ever died at a safe, safe you, injection site you take site. a conference room in Transamerica period and, yeah. and say when you're going to use just come here and we have nurses and we have nurses we have clean and, needles and, and clean needles and Narcan and we'll keep and a phone and, and a we'll phone. keep an eye on you yeah and sure. we'll keep an eye on you. So sure, you and know, beanbags. people will use inside. <laughs> people do use inside. In Pacific Heights, everywhere, people use inside. It's sure. just hidden because it's inside. Everything that happens on the street happens inside. So you're not exacerbating the problem by giving people houses. Yeah. And what they've found in places where they do do wet housing is people's use does decrease. Sure it does. But like, like I said earlier, like yeah, a lot of suffering less. <laughs> right. A lot of people do like opiates and heroin because it makes, they're not in pain. It makes them feel warmer. They don't care that they're right, outside. Right. You don't care about even anything. Really you're dr- like, everything's yeah, even okay. Even really drunk, you feel warmer. Even really drunk. You know, you're like, everything's fine. People then take off their clothes and I'm like, yeah, no, it's really cold. Let's yeah. go down to Dory. But, right. um, yeah, I watched SantaCon last week, and boy, oh boy, those kids—they were drunk oh. and warm in their little tiny, in their tiny Santa little, little outfits. At least they had hats on. Yeah, little tiny hats. But they're gonna go home and they'll throw up and they'll sleep do, it off. Do you ever on the nights on the streets? Do you talk to the the drunk girls that are like, I'm 
live from Walnut Creek and I'm sometimes, stuck here. I miss the bar. Ugh, sometimes. I mean, we go into bars, especially the gay bars are really You go into bars? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're we so cool. Always, well, they support us, too. Like, the Ducal Court and the Imperial Court are huge supporters of night ministry. I mean, we love them. So part of my job is, like, going to drag shows, which is, like, I never awesome. pictured this in seminary, but this is awesome. Um in fact, Olivia Hart, who's a prior duchess, just did our big fundraiser for us uh, in October, and I did my first drag number. Cool. <laughs> um, anyway, so so yeah, we're in the bars for drag shows, and just to stop, I mean, like at one o'clock in the morning, sometimes the bartender has had it, and they need to talk. You know, sure. Like bouncer, we'll talk to the bouncer. But also, you go in, and people see the caller, and they're like, oh, priest in a bar. Like, you know, and so they start asking questions, but then pretty soon you can get in a conversation about them. Or the bartender will say, oh, hi, how are you doing, blah, blah, blah. Uh, here's your coke you should go sit next to joe and i'll oh, go sit next wow. to joe and find out what's going on with joe sure. so they'll point out people to us um so yeah it's it's everybody at night it's not just the unhoused people it's primarily unhoused people but it's people who live inside and are panhandling it's bartenders it's bouncers it's people out for a party um whoever needs a conversation and so your goal is to use conversation to create community like what would you say your overarching our overarching goal, goal is to be present when nobody is present if you need something in the middle of the night basically either you've got emergency services or you've got hotlines and like that's it and a lot of the hotlines will time you like you've got 15 minutes and you're on and you're off wow i can sit with you for a couple of hours if that's what you need wow and i've done that um my record one time was 10 hours, but that was unusual. <laughs> sure. Um, she was suicidal and we got her not suicidal and then she fell and broke her legs. I went through the hospital wow. and went on and on and on. Um, but that's an unusual night. Um, but we can take time and, and everybody has an agenda for you if you live outside. Legitimately, I mean, like your case manager wants to get you inside, so they have some things they want you to do, and your social worker has things they want you to do, and your family has some ideas about what they think you should do, and like everybody's got an idea about what they think you should do. So to sit with somebody who's not judging you and oh. doesn't bring an idea about what you should be doing, and instead is just saying, like, what's going on with you? What do you need tonight? Huh. And I've sat with people while they shot up. If they need to shoot up while they're talking with me, that's okay. That's cool. Do right. what, you know, people do what they need to do to get through the night. And they need to talk about that what happened in their day or that thing they never told anybody and everything in between. Sure. Um, so we just hear, I'm, I'm kind of a junkie for other people's stories. So it's part of why this job is right. really good because I get to hear so many stories and see beautiful things happen. You should write a book. I I'm and make but and put the proceeds back to the night ministry. I, I might at one point even write call a book. it night ministry. I mean, I can imagine. Our, I can see Netflix. I can't believe Netflix isn't following you around already. <laughs> Seriously, like, where is Netflix on night ministry? Yeah, I, I mean, it's incredible. It's it's really like the most. I mean, the Chronicles reality come out with TV us. Show. Yeah, the Chronicles come out with us before. I would be resistant to Netflix because I'm sort of hyper vigilant about our folks' privacy. Right. Sure. Um, and a lot of people, even like we just redid our website, so we had to have a photographer come along. And right. Take some and you pictures. have to you have to get written consent. You get, you or whatever, get written yeah, consent, so you and people, you know, just aren't that jazzed about 
getting pictures taken. <laughs> well, and everybody knowing that they, but the, I mean, if you wrote the book, I guess they could pick it up and fictionalize it. It doesn't right, have to be reality right, TV right. show. Or it's, I mean, it have actors. I'll, I'll, I'll ask if I can tell somebody's story sometime. If I'm like, oh, that'll preach. That'll be a good summer. I'm like, is it okay with you if I share this story? And so I have a few stories like that that I do share. Um, and I, I mean, I could do that for a book. Uh, we do have one book that our first night minister wrote who started back in 1964. Wow. And, you know, things have changed a lot. He was a lot of like, picking kids up off the bus and like turning them around and sending them home before they got picked up by the pimps kind of thing. Sure. Or um, people on acid just walking yeah. around, like losing their minds, losing their minds on hate street in 67. Yeah. Like yeah. how many people were on acid and right. they, they get all crazy. Like what? I mean, talk about unpredictable. Yeah. Uh, if people are having like <sighs> their reality contact is really poor sometimes like, okay, this is not the best time to engage them. Or they'll right. like, see the one guy, I'll never forget, he saw the caller, he looked at me and he turned and he spat. And I thought, oh! okay, this person's not open to conversation. I'm just going to keep walking. Right. So it's not like the hill you want to die yeah, yeah. on. You choose your battles. But sometimes people can surprise you. There used to be this guy in North Beach and he was always talking to the light pole when I went by. And so I just let him do his thing. But one night I thought, you know, so I said, good evening. And he looked at me, he said, good evening. And he went back to his conversation with the light pole. pole. So you never, sometimes there's a lot more there than you might think at first glance. Absolutely. And almost always, actually, I would say there's, there's more there than you would know at first glance. And so it pays to just, you know, I'm not going to be up in people's faces, but I'll probe a little bit. I'll say, you know, how's your night going and see if they go fine. And they like look the other way, right, like, okay, I don't want to talk to me. And I don't want somebody walking into my living room and just starting a conversation sure, randomly. Sure. But, um, so I just kind of do this gentle approach with people, but end up having all these great conversations and you get to know people after a while, because right. you see the same people in the same place. And, um, and then you start to know people's stories more, or you, you have these conversations that feel very trivial. Hi, how are you? How's your day? Blah, blah, blah. And then maybe a year later, they're like, Oh, not good. My, you know, my kid got killed or whatever, you know, like they wow. can talk yeah. to you about the deep things because you've been building relationships sure, all sure. this time. Wow. Um, so it's just, I, I feel like I just go out there, there's the space, let's see what God does with the space, and you can't predict it, and it's just, almost every night there's something you're like, oh, that's what I'm out here for tonight. Almost every night. So your schedule's all out of whack. Like, what, <laughs> do you work every night? How many I work days? four nights four a week. Four nights a week. I'm, I'm right now Sunday through Wednesday. Oh, okay. I might be moving to Monday through Thursday, but I don't know yet. And then uh, the other night, ministers fill in the other nights. Gotcha. Um, and, but I'm a night person kind of by nature. Like, this is the first job that, like, actually works with my... It's If I have to get up at 5 a.m. to be Oof. at the office by 9 or 6, to, that's, like, not working. I want to go to bed at 6 a.m. So sure, this is sure. really good for my schedule, yeah. this job. Wow. So what's the... What would you say is the, the scariest thing that's ever happened to you out there? When you were, like... Hmm. That either scared you, like, maybe not even scared for your safety, but scared for their safety, or scared for the safety of people uh, in general. In general. Yeah, I mean, the first time I went out to meet somebody who was actively suicidal, I was very scared, because I was like, okay, do I really know how to do this? You oh, know, wow. This is the rubber meeting the road this time, you know, and sure. I was, well, they trained me, you know, how to do it uh, when I started, but I was very afraid that time, um, but it was fine, and... Um, and I've done so many, I don't know if this is a good or bad thing, but like, it doesn't even get my heart rate up anymore, which is a little weird. No, I mean, hey. But in a way it's helpful because if you can come, you don't want to bring rushing or like frenetic energy into that kind of situation. Sure. You want to come in with calm energy. Right. So it's kind of, 
it's good that I'm just kind of like, okay, this is so serious, but I'm not freaking out. Let's play it out. Um, uh, I call you up and I say, Valerie, this is it. I'm done. It's too hard. I can't, I, I can't do this anymore. I've, I'm on the street. I've been on, I've been out here for too long. I've got a cold now it's raining and I'm, I'm done. I've got, I've got enough heroin right now that it's, that's it. What, what do I, cause what do I, what am I worth? What, what's the point of me being here? Why did, why did God make me? Yeah. So sounds like you've got a lot of things piling up and that sounds really, really hard. I wonder if I could come see you face to face and we could talk. So try and get face to face. All right. Always. Or if you called the phone counselor and you were saying that they would say, you know, I'd really love to have the night minister, you know, I want you to live and I'd love to have the night minister come see you. And we train our phone counselors how to deal with it too and how to assess like how suicidal somebody is. Right. But if you're actively suicidal, you've got the intention, you've got the means right there in your hand, they're going to try and get you face to face with the night minister. And then we're going to sit down and, and talk. And probably the first thing I'm going to do is just shut up and have you talk as long as I can keep you talking. Wow. Because I want to hear what's, first of all, you need probably need to be listened to. Nobody's been listening to you. And it communicates that I value you, which is big. It's when people are suicidal, they're usually missing a sense of connection, a sense of agency, like they have any control over it or a sense of hope or sometimes all three. Right. You know, and you're just giving me that scenario. Right? Sure. Like, sure. You know. Yeah. Um, so what's I my was, point in the world? Why am I here? What's like, God why? doesn't even love me. Right. Right. So there's like no connection. My parents anybody, don't love me. They threw God. me out. There's, yeah. Yeah. All of it. So we're going to sit and I'm going to listen, 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 listen. And I'm listening for little points of connection, little points of hope, little points of agency. You know, and sometimes you can't get all three often, but sure. if there's any one and I can start to pull that thread and build that up. So if I'm uh, like, I'm a terrible mother, I had a, I had a kid seven years ago mm-hmm. and now I, I haven't even talked to her and I'm, and I just, what's the point? Why would I do that? Yeah. And then you would say like how excruciating I'd, I'd acknowledge the pain first, um, you know, and say like, what well, was it like the last time you talked to her and start to, or him? or right them, right you know, right whatever and and i just start to find is there a little thread of connection there and maybe there's not and oh my god you know how you hear these heartbreaking sure. stories but then we're just gonna kind of keep going and we're just gonna keep going until i can find something that can kind of pull you out of that place right and kind of get you into a safe safer space sure um and there's almost always something some folks just the so many things are so wrong or there are things that are right, but they cannot see it no matter what I do. Right. Um, and so sometimes you just have to go, we don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. You know, there may be, and, and often there's like, there's been a surprise in the past. Like you never thought you were going to meet so-and-so and it's, I'm so sad they're out of your life now, but that was a surprise when you met them. And we right. know that that surprise is not coming again with someone else tomorrow. So just keep, I just keep going till I can find something and get somebody a little safe. And sometimes people just, by the time they say it all, they're like, okay, I feel better now. Right. You know, right. They confront easy. it. It's out. It's out. It's and f- sometimes, oh, you just, it's hard work. I, I think that. Questionably how people do have a lot of hope because they play the lottery all the time. <laughs> like there must be some hope there. There's something, there's almost always something you can get a hold of. Sometimes if somebody's, um, 
psychopathology is really se- right. severe. It makes it a little harder because uh, people will just really dig in. But almost always there's something. Pathologique. That's what a, a, <laughs> a lady said on the bus yesterday. She was talking to an invisible person in front of me. Uh, she was a very interesting uh, person. Uh-huh. And I didn't, I was just like, all right, whatever. I right, thought right. she was talking on the phone. No. Then I thought she was talking to a person. There was no one there. And I was like, all right. I started just kind of listening. Because she was definitely talking loudly. And right, she's right. like, I was built to do drugs. You can't do drugs. I was built for it. Some people, they go crazy. I'll call that pathologique. And I was like, <laughs> girl, that's funny. Pathologique. Right. You get right. it. On the bus. Anyways, it was interesting. A lot of interesting things are happening on the bus right now because right, right. it's raining. And so yeah. people need Take to be the bus inside. To get drive, bus and bark to get bus, drive. Exactly. And just, I mean, people will get on and if you go to Richmond and back and you get off at Civic Center again that's a very cheap ticket right because oh. you're just on the, like it, it thinks it's well actually you have you can't if you, you go you back, go back to the, yeah, you go to Powell because if you yeah. go to the same station they charge you $5.70 that's the minimum trip ride so if you get on but if you get on here go all the way up to Richmond and then get off at Powell then it's only Two dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so that. people will scam it, or they'll. I mean, there's there's shelters out. People will get off out there, go to the shelters over there. Or the, and the then other come trick. This is the other trick: is that the elevator in uh, both in the Embarcadero will take you from Bart down to Muni, so you can get you can be on the Bart all day. La 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 la. Get off the Bart. Take the elevator down to Muni, and then just Muni out of there, baby. Because Muni Muni doesn't like. They're not like Bart cops. Like yeah, yeah, Bart yeah. cops will shoot you, but Muni cops will like give you a ticket. And if you don't have an ID and give your, give them a fake name, they're like, yeah, whatever. I'd say I did not know that. Yeah, but I that's a trick. You can share the good, the good trick. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah, uh, not that we should scam Bart or anything, but you know, if there's a loophole in the system and you're not in a house, stay yeah. dry. Oh, they're opening the bathrooms again. Did you hear that? Bart's opening the bathrooms. Oh, the bathrooms that have been fabulous. closed fabulous since 9-11. Since Bush. Yeah, the <laughs> bathrooms that I'm closed. Like, oh, that was such a scam. I the bathrooms so closed during 9-11 yeah. and they've finally lobbied to get them reopened. So the Bart uh, bathrooms in San Francisco will be open again and in other places around the Bay. Time. Yeah. I've had small children that I've been with and they're like looking at me like, what do we do? And I'm right. like, I don't, don't know. know. Right. And I've told small children to, we call it homesteading when we have to pee outside. <laughs> I'm like, you're a little homesteader. It. We're right? in the park behind this bush. It. No one's looking, but they close the bathroom. I don't so know what, what to do. You're so that brings up another really good issue. People are like, pee on the street, poop on the street. I'm like, yeah, so where else? Businesses aren't going to let them. Some businesses are really cool about it, but most of them aren't. So I love that they're experimenting with opening toilets 24 hours. What I really, really, really wish every single person was like, I don't like to see it. I don't want to walk by it. I feel I'm like, well, then advocate for more housing. Yeah. Don't call 311 and have them steal everybody's stuff right. and traumatize people sure. and make life harder on people. And um, especially for women, set them up for assault because now they don't have their community in there. You know, right. instead of causing all that harm, go down to City Hall and tell them you want more um, housing, you know, uh, bathrooms, statewide work to like repeal Costa Hawkins and we can get more taxes from the big companies. I mean, there's yeah. so many things you can do to make it easier for people to live inside. And yeah. if you don't want to see people living outside, make it easier for them to live inside. Don't make it harder for them to live outside because that's not, it's not going to be like, Oh, they took my tent. I guess I'll go get a room. You know, like right, people right. don't have that option. And it's what? Not like you tents make it, are expensive and tents are expensive and making it harder for, to live outside does not 
give people an incentive to go away or move inside or whatever. It just makes their life harder. Right. It doesn't solve the problem in any shape, way, or form, and it also makes it worse. Yeah. yeah. So it's just everybody who, if you don't like seeing people live outside, advocate for more housing justice. Go down to Coalition on Homelessness. They'll yeah. set you up. You can go lobby. Get, donate you know, some, money donate some money to Knight. Donate some money to Knight Ministry. Donate some money to Please, for the love of God. Well, <laughs> uh, SFKnightMinistry.org. Yeah. There's a donate button. <laughs> SFKnightMinistry.org. Uh, the other thing is the bathrooms in the city. There are 25 public restrooms in San Francisco. 25 that's it yeah for this whole for the whole city city if they tripled those numbers and it could be easily done because right now the 25 bathrooms aren't even paid for by the city so if the city matched those 25 bathrooms or 25 more bathrooms and say i don't know twitter matched the city and the program that's doing it to get 50 more bathrooms if we had 100 bathrooms with that self-cleaning stuff and they do it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. run by jake JC Deco or whatever they come by and clean them and whatever. If we could have 75 more bathrooms in the city, I think that that would at least do yeah. something. Then you don't have to spend thousands of dollars to power wash the, the right. sidewalk because and make everybody move and put all those horrible chemicals out. Right. I mean, it's like the guys are walking along in a hazmat suit yeah. at four o'clock in the morning, power washing the sidewalk. And then I'm like, well, here I come in my tennis shoes, you right, know, right. and people are going to People are sleeping there. there. What, are they going to hose them down there. and get all their yeah. stuff wet and then ruin yeah. all of their stuff? Usually they, they let people, the, the guys who wash the sidewalk are cool about letting people move. But. Well, a lot of people too, I've noticed, are ingenious and in that they're using um, like clamshells, like what are they called? Um, when you put to-go items in or whatever. Right, right, right. And they go in those, right. like a tiny little litter box, like a, and you just close it up and throw it in the garbage, which I don't think is the answer either. Right. But at least, at least they're not just like going on the curb or yeah, going right. wherever. So there's like two layers of solutions. Like there's the big solution, which is get everybody inside, which is not actually hard and, and even would save money. Um, and then if you're not going to do that, then there's all these little piecemeal solutions of right. like, don't do sweeps. Give people bathrooms, give people showers, give people lockers to keep their stuff oh, in. Oh, that's ingenious. <laughs> you know? Why not have lockers? Yeah, I didn't think of that, but yeah, why not have lockers for people? Safe, why so not? they could safely, that makes so much you could sense. You leave your stuff, because hauling your stuff all over, because you've got to walk everywhere because you can't afford the bus. It's That's a navigation yeah. center thing, right, though, right, is right, if you right, have right, a navigation right. center, people you can, can lock, stuff, you can leave their stuff there, and, stuff, and you can and come you back. You can go do your thing, and you can come in and out at any time, and like, I get like, some people are like, I don't want to live in an SRO. My friends can't come over. You know, bed or bugs. they have to surrender their AID. Bed bugs, lice, and mice always. Yeah. Uh, cockroaches. I always see the cockroaches. Sure. Visit people in SROs. And there's always a cockroach going up the wall. And I'm like, ah. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, if we're not going to do the big real solution, there's all kinds of piecemeal things we could do to make people's lives easier until right. we can get around it. Like, regaining our sanity and doing the big solution right exactly <laughs> you know. well and the money is here people keep saying san francisco here. it's when when you have 26 year olds paying thirty five hundred dollars a month for a studio apartment and yeah. not even blinking not even blinking and yet they you know ha they're just like they're like why are all these people on the street i i don't know how we didn't train them to have is it compassion? I don't know. It's just, I know that there's a lot of kids under 30 that are making six figures that are like, hey, these people are gross. <laughs> and there's yeah, no like there's no responsibility. Of, yeah. Or yeah, consciousness to our I think, fellow I man. There's not a lot of consciousness 
consciousness about the systemic issues that put people here. Right. You know, it's we have basically unregulated capitalism. At this yeah. Point. It's pretty much completely. You can have capitalism that's compassionate. We had a, a professor here from, um, I guess it was Norway, and she brought a bunch of students, and they walked around with me. And she's like. And I'm like, you're socialist, right? She's like, no, we're capitalism, but it's well regulated, and everybody right. has what they. She's like, my students are going to be shocked because we don't have this. Thing. We just sure. have people, so we could still have capitalism, just regulate it. Right? It's like the Dutch in the Netherlands. It's right, the right, same right, kind right, of right, deal. Right, exactly. Is it their capitalists? Yeah, Netherlands. That's where she was from. They taught and, they taught um, us capitalism, but right. they but they take care of each but other. They take still. care of each yeah. other. You can do yeah. both, and you can do people both. for people to be super, super, super rich, just the way unregulated capitalism works anyway if somebody's going to be super rich somebody's got to be super poor exactly that's the way it works but you could still be pretty rich you know like maybe one less house and one less yacht. right one less boat <laughs> and, and allow everybody at least to be housed you one less still, maserati you know i guess you know human beings are kind of pack animals right like we're not a herd we always want to get into these hierarchies you watch human sure. society do it again and again Monkeys, it's like okay thing, yeah. have the hierarchy but it doesn't have to be this cruel brutal hierarchy you could still have somebody be richer in a nicer house and somebody have not such a great house but at least a house right and at least some health care and at least some decent education Healthcare and 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 um, uh, childcare for their yes. kids. Yes, I mean, I couldn't be where I am right now if UNICEF hadn't paid for my children's childcare oh, when wow. they were babies. You know, they're grown now; they're in their twenties and thirties. But um, you know, that's the only way I was able to work because right. I wasn't making enough working to make sense to sure. pay. I would have been paying more for childcare even then than I was paying for rent. <laughs> it wouldn't have made sense for me to work. Exactly. But I was able to work because they were paying for my childcare. And because you're trying to serve the community. It, yeah, uh, that was, yeah, boggles my mind. And whatever then, but oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, this is years oh, ago. Okay. This is 30 years ago. But, um, but put me on the track to be able to go to school sure and to be here now right and to just you know if we i mean if high school education doesn't do it anymore it used to be able to you could get a good job if you graduate high school right not so much now nope. uh, not even i have two master's degrees and i'm like right, right here i'm completely master's degree and yeah. you're a postgrad and, and, and a studio apartment in the uh, airport yeah you know? exactly <laughs> well i i i'm the same i'm in the same boat where I think that we were taught that America says, if you get an education, you're going to get a great job. It was sort of like this, somehow education is tied into capitalism and that we make, we make the information cost a lot of money. So only super rich, special people can get at it. And then we give them these pieces of paper and we say, this is worth something. Now you're worth something. Now you go out. Right. And you, you be a right. capitalist. And when you're like, I want to be a teacher, they're like, yeah, we're not going to pay anything. Good luck. Every, I serve yeah. the community. We love the children, but we're not going to educate them yeah. or pay for their health care or whatever. Right. Uh, everything, including people, have ended up commodified. Yes. Everything is commodified. And that's where you lose your soul. Uh-huh. If everything has to have a money value, nothing really has any intrinsic worthiness. And so it's okay for a guy to be sleeping in 40 degree weather in the rain and no blanket. Right. Much less a tent, much less an anything. And I'm just going to walk by and go home. And that only can happen if people don't have value and people right. don't have value because as you say it's it's all commodified it's all tied to money i'm you know i have nothing against money in general but 
economic systems don't have to be set up the way ours is set up. Yeah. Where you're going to make a lot of money incarcerating people. You're going to make money separating families at the border. You're going to make money um, paying people poverty wages so they work three jobs and they still need Medicaid and they still need food stamps. You don't have, you know, you can it doesn't make, have to be that way. Can, minimum well, wage was supposed to support a family of four. Wow. That's <laughs> mind blowing. When they first passed it, wow. that's what it was supposed to do. Yeah. It wasn't supposed to make you scrape by on three jobs and your partner two and you still are now. Because America hates poor people. I don't know why, but right. for yeah. some reason, poor people aren't worth anything to us. As a, as, and it bothers me because I, I mean, I choose to be poor and I'm not as poor, but that's the other thing is I'm like, I'm not actually poor. Yeah, no, because I, don't I think still have this poor. I have hot and cold running water. I live inside. I have, I have a bathroom. Yeah. I have an internet connection. I, I have, have indoor cats. plumbing. Yes, all of that like, stuff. All this is like you know. I feel like rich. But if you then, make fifty, I think I, I can't remember where I read this, so maybe I shouldn't cite it. But I read somewhere if you make fifty thousand dollars, that puts you in the top three percent globally. That's insane because Ed Lee, and before Ed Lee died, he said, if you don't make $80,000 a year, don't move to San Francisco. Don't come here. Right. And even 80. He said, don't just don't come here. Don't think that you can be here if you don't make 80,000 a year. Right. And that's our, that was our mayor. And you're like, you want to, you know, now I'm like, I should curtail my bad words because I've got my collar on, but you know, like really, 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 um, don't we want diversity in the city don't we want a wide variety of people of all walks of life i mean it's people a society that's just monolithic kind of atrophies yeah there's so much beauty in having economic diversity um gender diversity ethnic diversity all of that um religious diversity Makes it richer. Absolutely. It make it worse. Sometimes it's a little more work. Yeah. But it's so worth it. Well, people used to come to San Francisco because it was awesome and weird and there were artists here and it's incredible. And... Some of that still exists. I mean, Mutiny Radio's still here. We're weird dirtbags hanging out on a shoestring budget, much like Night Ministry. We're My, in a really cool studio. Oh, I thank you. Yeah, did you did like, you see like, Jesus behind you? Yes, I saw I didn't Jesus. scrape idol. I didn't scrape idol into that. Someone else did. I was like, why did you deface my beautiful Jesus? <laughs> I love my sparkle Jesus. He's beautiful. He's sparkly yeah, Jesus. He's I love and that guy. He, he's the white stoner Jesus, but he's sparkly yeah, Jesus. He is. He is I super white, white stoner Jesus. I always think of that one as the white stoner Jesus because he just really looks like yeah, he's, he's had a couple of really good bong hits. But, <laughs> but San Francisco used to be this place of amazing diversity and it used to be a place of counterculture and a place of art. And that, as the money goes up, the creativity is moving to West Oakland. Like everyone's right, just leaving. Nobody can afford to no live one, here. No one can afford to live here and anymore. Then, yeah. And so then it becomes, then once, once all the creative, caring people, all the teachers, all the educators, all of the firemen, all of the people that are like working people and serving the community. Once they don't all live here anymore, what, what is this place? Yeah. What is it's this the place? Disneyland version of San Francisco. Exactly. It, it, and is that, is that better? What is we that get what to, we want? Right. We want like to listen to our, we want to read on the road and we want to hear the old stories. We want to walk up North beach, but we don't want it to be like the way it was in the sixties. We just want to, uh, yeah, I just, um, 
I don't know. I, I love that you're wearing tie dye too. That is amazing. Oh, yeah. You're keeping <laughs> it real. That's great. We have to uh, we have to curtail our thing, but I'd love to have you back next week so we can yeah, actually yeah, talk yeah. about like I, I was I've been a religious scholar. I went to Christian school for oh, cool, cool. so many years and I yeah, was yeah. I was very, very zealotrous and a big, big part of the church until I was eighteen until I fell out. But next week I'd love if you can come back. I think I can. I don't have my calendar we'll, with me, we'll but I'll double out. check we'll, and we'll, we'll email and stuff. Because I would love to talk to Before you about like... Before we go off the air, yeah, I want to yeah, say yeah. sfnightministry.org. Go check out our website, sfnightministry.org. There's a donate button. Give that money. But we also need like phone volunteers oh, that's and, and all kinds of support. So check out check out our website. Um, and But I, yeah, I totally want to come back next week. Awesome. Valerie, you've just been such a pleasure. Everybody check out Night Ministry, sfnightministry.org. Uh, this has been some call me Tim today. Hopefully, we're gonna have Valerie back next week because we gotta get into the we gotta get out into the texts. We gotta talk about the Bible. I want to hear because I loved what you said about Adam and Eve and that them them coming together to create community. Because whenever I think about it, all I think is the patriarchy and yeah. misogyny. <laughs> oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. No, but know. when you read it in the Hebrew, it's not like that. Oh, so see? not like that. Steve, I, you're amazing. Uh, thank you so much for being here today on Some Call Me Tim. We'll be back next week, hopefully with Valerie uh, talking about religion and. In- cool stuff and things you believe in see you next week everybody motorcycle repaired or replaced and assist you with your damaged gear too we're by your side every step of the way with the law tigers you never ride alone if you're injured in a motorcycle accident call 1-800-LAW-TIGERS or visit us on the web at lawtigers.com the law tiger california's motorcycle lawyer
I was just leaving the theater. Convertible 1969 gold Cadillac with a white interior. And I started to do some thinking. Around in and on the freeway, and I'm having a really, really good time. Flat black glasses. Looking big spliffs and cruising. Saturday noon to two. On the freeway. I am a total fraud. Hello, Blake. Henry. Yeah. Charlie here. Yeah. I have a report here, Henry, from your uh, from your chief nurse, Major O'Houlihan. She makes some accusations, Henry. I, I find pretty hard to believe. Taco Bell item without the guilt. Back up, back horse up and race stop here. Black country road. You never know, you might find it here. Black country road. Some say the view is crazy, but you may adopt another point of view. So if it's much too hazy, you can leave my friend and me.
such thing as a superman there ain't no such thing as a superman you was on the now you went to see great Egypt fall it fell down to the ground yes and you was out there on the corner When being cool went blind 
Ain't no, there ain't no 
come over to the window, my little darling. I'd like to try to read your palm. I used to think I was some kind of gypsy boy before I let you take me home. Now so long, Marianne, it's time that we began to laugh and cry and cry and laugh.
such a pretty one I see you've gone and changed your name again And just when I climb this whole mountainside To wash my eyelids in the rain Oh, so Yeah, that's, um, uh, who's that guy again? Um, hold on a second. Yeah, that's it. Leonard Cohen, uh, from his, uh, Songs of. <sighs> so long, Marianne, that was. Hey, it's Bug House Square. It's, uh, Mutiny Radio. It's not just a radio station. It's so much more. Uh, you can come in and, and, uh, uh get out of the rain. Use the washroom. We have hot water, which is nice. That's so no cold water. It's only hot water. That's how we're rolling here. Um, we have so much uh, to offer. Uh, yeah. So tonight we've got uh, Francisco in here from Ferocious Few. Let's, let's uh, try out um, that mic. Maybe is that one? Uh, um, tap on that one. That's straight in front of you. you just. Uh, Tap on it again. There we go. Okay, we're there. So, uh, let's, yeah, let's do it, man. Just play something. All right. All right. 